Welcome to the Dr. Gabrielle Lyon Show, where I believe a healthy world is based on transparent conversations. In this episode, I sit down with Dr. Danielle Velez Leitner, and she is a fellowship trained urologist. She actually completed her urology residency at Brown University, then went on to a fellowship in male infertility and sexual dysfunction at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Her clinical focus is on male infertility, particularly fertility preservation for cancer patients and individuals undergoing all kinds of challenges hypogonadism, BPH male sexual dysfunction, including erectile dysfunction. I really loved sitting down with Dr. Danny because she is an expert. And in the space of testosterone and hormones, there's a lot of information out there. Being able to sit down with an expert who is not only in clinical practice, but also a surgical practice really is valuable for up-to-date information, pros and cons, as well as evidence-based strategies to deal with sexual dysfunction. I would like to take a moment to acknowledge one of the sponsors of the show, and that is One Farm. And by the way, I've been using One Farm CBD before it was even actually called One Farm. It is a farm to supplement company that makes products designed to improve people's lives. And I actually use their CBD oil cinnamon before bed. Love it. It comes in MCT oil. It is a premium full spectrum hemp extract. If you guys have trouble sleeping, I highly recommend it. I think it's an amazing product. If you have anxiety, if you need to calm down or just chill out, maybe you had a hard workout before you went to bed and you didn't mean to, this is a great strategy. This company has also launched a new gut health superfood. You heard that right, a gut health superfood. And here's how I use it. Number one, it's a bone broth that has been enhanced with botanicals and adaptogens to help support a healthy microbiome and better gut health. If you've listened to this podcast, you know how important gut health is. I actually think it's a part of the future in terms of what we look at for overall health and well-being. You can get yours free, by the way. You can get a free container of gut health superfood. All you have to do is follow the link in the show notes, put in your cart, and um, there's also a code. It's LIONGH, and that's LIONGH. Go to onefarm.com. You can follow the link or put in the code LIONGH for your nighttime nightcap of superfood bone broth. Thank you to Element for sponsoring this podcast and Element, which is spelled L-M-N-T, you've heard me talk about many times, is an electrolyte packet, and it contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. Okay, so you're probably thinking to yourself, why would I want to try Element? Well, I can tell you for me, on the days that I am not necessarily training hard, Sometimes, believe it or not, I get restless leg. It is utterly annoying. And I will tell you that Element seems to help. I have it mid-afternoon, so I'm not up all night going to the bathroom, and it really seems to help my restless leg. So obviously, I'm not your physician, but if I were, this is something that I would recommend you try. Again, Element is spelled L-M-N-T. You can go to Drink Element dot com slash dr lion that's drink lmnt dot com slash dr lion and here's the deal you'll get a free sample pack with any purchase that's eight single serving packets free with any element order great way to try all eight flavors and uh, i'm not sure where you are in the world but as it gets into winter i actually like mine heated dr danny Velez Leitner. You got Did the I get whole it? thing. I got the whole, whole thing. thing. Dr. Danny Velez Leitner. This is such a treat. You are the best kept secret around. And we know who to blame for that. You are way too sweet. <laughs> like way, way, way too sweet. Nobody, nobody <laughs> listening would consider me sweet. You are a female urologist. Mm-hmm. Sexual medicine board certified in sexual medicine yeah well actually so 
technically board eligible to still because I'm only 10 months in. Okay. But like, ask me again in six months and hopefully, yeah, board certified. <laughs> you have passed the test. <laughs> passed most of them so far. People, I don't think people know what urology is. Oh, yeah. Nobody has any idea. Uh, well, yeah. before we start, tell me, you are, you went to medical school at Rutgers. Yeah. yeah. Went to urology residency at Brown. Yeah, up in Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Then you did your fellowship at University of Chicago. University of Illinois in Chicago. University of Illinois in Chicago. And you are now here doing a combination. You are at Rutgers doing a combination of academic medicine and clinical practice. Definitely. Yep. Yeah. You're a surgeon and a clinician. Surgeon and clinician. I tell everybody all day long that I have the best job ever. I love it. And uh, what is it? And tell me. So. We're going to just, I want to forewarn everyone listening, we're going to talk a lot about penises today. Oh, yeah, an aggressive amount of penises. <laughs> we're just putting and it testicles. out there. And testicles. Can't yeah. forget those. Two. So if you are squeamish about testicles, penis, uh, scrotum, sperm, sperm, erectile dysfunction, fertility, now is your chance to turn me off. This but, is not the clinic for you today. But I hope that you don't turn me off. And we hear from the beautiful Dr. Danny. You subscribe, rate, and comment on the show. I guarantee you guys, this is going to be one of your most favorite episodes. No pressure. Zero pressure. Okay. Yeah. What does your all just do? So like a general urologist, you're kind of treating anything that the urine touches, right? So like kidney, ureters, bladder, the urethra, but then like the penis and the testicles as well. And then within general urology, you can subspecialize. So some people decide they only want to do cancers. Some people decide they only want to do child, like pediatric urology. I made the very wise choice that I just want to talk about sexual medicine and fertility. And that like also encompasses some testosterone as well. And what what happens in sexual medicine? So why do people come to see you? Yeah, I get the gamut. I get 15-year-olds that are just like, what's normal masturbation? And then I get- That's interesting. Oh, are they yeah. really? All the time. They yeah. come in with their parents? Usually it's somehow one of the parents found out that like they're having pain or like chafing or like bruising. And they'll say like, what's going on here? And they'll bring the kid into the emergency room. And then the ER will call the urologist to be like, hey- I think this guy needs a referral. And you'll say, come on in. Okay. Do most parents know what normal masturbation is? Yeah. I have no idea. What is normal masturbation? I think that's a great question. I still don't know either. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think that what I what I worry about often is is guys who masturbate to the point where like they're having chafing and like skin changes. I'm like, look, we have to talk about lubrication and like maybe pulling back a little bit and then also i think it's you know if you are masturbating so much that now you can't have a healthy sex life with a partner like if that's a priority a healthy sex life with a partner then we need to take more steps back to like what is the real normal here okay okay so that's uh, that's important so you see 15 year olds sometimes yeah but i think more commonly you know i see a lot of guys who have had prostate cancer who have had their prostates taken out and then they have nerve changes to their prostates and they are to the lack of prostate and now they can't get erections. Um, I see a lot of guys who have had radiation to their pelvis and now they've had penis anatomy changes and like shrinkage of the penises or the penis. They shouldn't have to. Um, that would be really, that would be, uh, that would be noteworthy. We would definitely see that on the news. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Uh, and, you know, there are different like rehab options that we can do to help them maintain penis size and help hopefully protect their erectile function. And if they can't do that, then at least get their erectile function back, whether that's like medications or surgeries. You know, we do a lot of implants. Everyone's like, what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll so just drop that doing, bomb I mean, there. Drop, I mean, we can't even can, normally I wouldn't interrupt you. I would just let you finish. But I cannot let you say, oh, and by the way, I treat erectile dysfunction and I do penile implants and then we move on to the next thing yeah uh, that usually stops conversation yeah like, can you imagine <laughs> going out with with uh, uh dr danny and so like what do you do well as a matter of fact oh my god my husband <laughs> loves that as a party trick <laughs> my husband is a lawyer and before covid we would still go to like you know dinners or whatever and drinks in the city with his coworkers. he'd stop everyone and just be like ask ask her what she did today <laughs> And they're like, well, what did you do? And I'm like, well, I, I put in an, an inflatable penile prosthesis in a guy who can't get erections. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. How many people, and we, we really do have to talk about erectile dysfunction because it's something, how do we define it? 
That's such a great question. So, I mean, there are certainly lots of like surveys and questionnaires you can give to patients and then you can rate things on a scale of like one to 15. But to me, it's can you start an erection? And if you can, can you maintain that erection? And then, and in other words, maintain it to the point where you can orgasm. That's really where I'm looking, what I'm hoping for for a patient. And then are you happy with the firmness of the erection? There's oftentimes a lot of counseling for patients too to say that, you know, you can have a healthy sex life without a full erection. But if an erection is important to you, then it's going to become important to me. And let's find some ways that we can get this to go again. Yeah. And isn't that part of having a healthy, strong erection is also indicative of having healthy, strong endothelial function and vasculature? Totally. Absolutely. The penis is nothing but like big blood vessels. And I tell guys all the time, you know, the blood vessels that feed your penis are way smaller than the ones that feed your heart. So it's oftentimes like a canary in the coal mine. Like if there's a problem in the penis, they're probably going to have a problem in the heart down the line. So I take that a step further because often guys are like, oh, that can't be true, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, look, if it's good for your heart, it's good for your penis. So vice versa. They are all on board. (laughs) They're all on board. Usually. How often are there issues? Do you see healthy men that are, maybe they abused anabolic steroids or, I mean, do you see erection issues with that? Do you see, or cannabis use? Drug use, other kinds of drug use, alcohol, who is predisposed to erectile dysfunction? I think it's the same type of person that is predisposed to like high blood pressure and diabetes, like a lot of those like metabolic syndrome things that people talk about, like obesity. I think those are the guys that I think most classically like, okay, we're probably going to have an erectile issue in the future. You're probably going to become a future patient for me. Um the guys who abuse a lot of alcohol can oftentimes also have and, and opiates, actually. Opiates. Oftentimes, they'll start having changes to their testosterone and that whole pathway, and that usually will play into erections as well. Because you also do, I'm I'm glad you mentioned testosterone, that's something we're going to get into. You prescribe and treat low testosterone. Low testosterone, yeah. And it's everywhere from like kids that have, uh, I shouldn't say kids, like younger patients who are trying to get pregnant like trying to get their partners pregnant and finding they're just like having a hard time. So I always get a hormonal profile. And sometimes like we hit and we say, wow, you've got really low testosterone. So not only are you putting yourself at the health risk of having low testosterone, like cardiac health, bone density health, but also like you're probably not making a ton of sperm. So if we can fix the testosterone with like clomiphene citrate or anastrozole, not actually like traditional testosterone, then we can actually trick your testicles into working harder and making more sperm too. So you get a two for one. (laughs) <laughs> and then you have lots of um, sleepless nights and baby diapers. Exactly. And, and you guys are you're, you're doing great. Yeah, it's all the fun. But erectile dysfunction, how do people treat it? So I think a big part of it is, and a lot of patients will come in, it's like, but like, why do I have erectile dysfunction? And I'll say, there are so many things that go into a good erection. And it's not always that if I treat that thing, you're going to get a better erection. So usually we just kind of go straight to the source and just try to bypass everything. So I love giving out Viagra and Cialis. Amazing. You know, I think it's like the easiest thing ever. They're pills. And it's so much easier if I can just give you a pill and try to get you to have a better erection than talking about the next levels of therapy, which is like injections into your penis. And how, and I'm sure guys are not thrilled. No, about they hate that. it. They hate it. And, you know, when patients fail out of Viagra, Cialis, like all that kind of whole class of pill drugs for erections. How long do you give it? How do you dose it? How do you, for the listener who wants to take this to their doctor, or maybe they want to take it to their primary care yeah. physician and say, hey, um, I'm having erectile issues. I'm not happy with the strength of my erection. I'm not happy with my ability to maintain an erection. Because we should also talk about what is normal ejaculation time. Oh, totally. Because that probably plays a role into everything huge absolutely and when i have like i feel like there's so many like side conversations that we can have about this because it's it's all intertwined right but whenever i think about ejaculatory issues especially for guys who are like i just have like i i I ejaculate way too early i try to treat the erection first because sometimes if you can treat that then everything else sort of follows and at least if you if it doesn't you've taken one more thing off the table to be like okay this is truly an ejaculatory issue but I mean, for erections, I I actually like Cialis a lot more than Viagra because it just lasts so much longer. Hmm. And how how yeah. long does it last? 
So the half-life for Cialis is about 18 hours. So you can usually get effects for 30, 36 hours. So I have a lot of patients that will um, they'll actually just sort of like take the Cialis like Friday around lunchtime because they know they're going to have a big weekend. And then it usually gets them into like Sunday morning. Okay. Yeah. So you don't dose it every day, lower dose every day. You can too. Yeah. Yeah. So if I have a guy who's like younger, let's say in like 30s, 40s, 50s, and they just want to be able to have spontaneous sex. They don't want to have to think about like, well, I want an erection at 8 p.m. So I should probably take it at least by 4 p.m. And blah, 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 blah. Mm. I'll say that's a lot of thinking. That like that's not sexy. No. At all. Hold on one second. Yeah. Injections are even less sexy. But like that's not sexy, you know, And like you need a lot of good like there has to be a lot of things that go into an erection. Like you need good nerves, good blood vessels. You need the right mood. You need the right like headspace. You need good hormones. Um, so I love giving just Cialis five milligrams um, once a day. And I tell patients you can take it in the morning, at night, just like be consistent. Yeah. Um, you can take it with food, without food, it doesn't matter for Cialis. Viagra, it does. Viagra, you have to take it on an empty stomach or you'll just poop it out. But with Cialis, five milligrams daily. And over like a two to three week period that because it lasts so long, you build up this like steady supply yeah. and then the patients can kind of just tap into it. Amazing. And how many people fail treatment on Cialis? So you try Viagra or you don't try Viagra, but you definitely try Cialis and you do five milligrams of Cialis. Do you ever titrate higher than that daily? All the time. Well, actually, that's not true. Not daily, but I will oftentimes say like if you if the five milligrams daily doesn't doesn't work for you and it's been like four or six weeks, then you can double dose and do a 20 milligram, mm-hmm. but don't take in the same day as the five. Does that make sense? So a lot of times I'll tell patients like, do the five every day, but if you think you're going to have sex that night, don't take the five and instead take the 20. Okay. And how often could they do that? Like once or twice a week. Once or twice a week. Yeah. How, what percentage of patients fail that? Healthy, regular, Ooh. you know, because, you know, sometimes they do. Oh, Totally. And- I mean, yeah, then that's like, well, what do we do next? What do they do next? Usually if it's like a super healthy patient where I'm like, I don't have any other reason for you to have erectile dysfunction. I'd say it's like one out of 15 of my patients. It's not common. Great. Honestly, it's usually the guy that's like, they've got some diabetes. It's poorly or in the process of getting controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe they're on a ton of like other blood pressure medications where it's almost like a little nerve wracking to start the Cialis and Viagra because it can interact. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the guys where I'm like not terribly surprised that they're not, it's not working. And I'm a little more inclined to say, okay, like, let's do the injections. Like, let's not dick around here, pun intended. Like, if you want an erection, <laughs> let's get you an erection. <laughs> okay, because that's a big deal for men. And I think that it's not it's not really talked about. In Would you agree with that? I would completely agree with that. And I have so many patients that come to me with the complaint of erectile dysfunction, and they don't want to talk about it in the office. And I'm like, dude, like, if, if you're ever going to talk with anybody, it's got to be here. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they're like, can I make jokes? And I'm like, where else are you going to make a joke about this? <laughs> I mean, let's, let, let's be truthful. When I went to message you and I went on your Twitter, there was something, there were definitely dick jokes. And then there was <laughs> breast milk in some kind of bag. I mean, out of all the specialties, I bet you urology, just you guys above and beyond have completely crazy and inappropriate jokes 110 percent cannot be repeated in polite company ever 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 Ever. yeah um so i'm sorry if any mother-in-law is listening to this conversation really really sorry sorry mom sorry dad (laughs) treat them with cialis cialis typically will work and will you address their sleep or will you then move to hormones uh testosterone replacement therapy. I love the idea of checking hormones, especially if somebody has diabetes, um, because if you have diabetes and you have low testosterone and you have ED, then replacing that testosterone might actually help the diabetes. And it might make the Viagra Cialis work better for you. It might even make it you don't need Viagra Cialis. You know, it's it's such a complex interplay. Um, but I think that there are just so many good things that having normalized testosterone can do that it's worth it to check. And how do you start someone? What is the, the things where you're like, okay, you are now a candidate yeah. for... For testosterone, testosterone the big T. Yeah. I So the first thing I always ask is like, are you at all interested in having more babies? Because if you are, like we're not going to do injections and gels because that like bringing in the extra testosterone just shuts your testicles down. It just makes them lazy and they don't make testosterone. They don't make sperm. So that's clearly like, you know, not helpful for a baby. But Even in a low dose. So someone, could someone say, 
what if an individual has low testosterone, mm-hmm. they want to have babies, they failed on Clomid, oh, yeah. failed on, I don't know if you use HCG. All the time. Okay, so failed on both of those, yeah. still don't feel great or maybe is on a little bit of Clomid and really wants to go on testosterone, do you yeah. say no testosterone or maybe we'll give you 75 milligrams a week or how, yeah, how do you play that out? I usually try to have them bank. Like I'll have them just like freeze sperm because then, you know, it's it's backup. And usually I'll keep them on like a combination of Clomid, HC, or and or HCG. And, and then I'll start giving them the, the um, exogenous testosterone, like the testosterone injections. And usually it's a low dose. And we'll try to slowly. I'm a pretty conservative person. That's probably shocking for what we've talked about so far. <laughs> like for medicines, I'm pretty conservative. So I usually don't like doing more than like 100 milligrams, even every like two weeks in the beginning, just until I can get a feel of like how a person's going to respond. Because I never want to overshoot the mark super far and then have to call them and be like, you need to go donate blood right now for the next like five days. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually that's too low. And usually we're up type trading to like right. 100 a week, 200 every two weeks, something like 150 every two weeks, something like that. Mm-hmm. And... When they go, so testosterone therapy, who shouldn't take it? Oh, if you have sleep apnea and you're not taking a sleep, like you've been recommended to do CPAP and you're not doing CPAP, you're not getting testosterone from me. It's just too risky. Do you get them tested or you send them out for a sleep apnea test? How I am really uh, eager to send patients out for sleep apnea testing. And it's so like the, if there has to be like a silver lining to COVID, it's that the sleep apnea tests have now been moved to home. So you don't have to go to a sleep center and sleep there overnight anymore. That's like super awkward. Um, like right. My yeah, dad we do just it had it. We, yeah. we do. We send out tests all the time yeah and it's it makes it so much easier and patients i think are always shocked at like how much better they feel when they get a good night's sleep because they have sleep apnea that's now treated (laughs) are there any other things that would create issues in a healthy population with erectile dysfunction so diabetes sleep apnea would probably because that totally screws up hormones totally alcohol yeah opiate use opiate use you know it's interesting like i feel like the jury is still out on marijuana Mm. Um, there are so many, and I keep trying to review the literature to be like, well, what's new? Um, and it seems like marijuana can like cause sperm problems. It seems like maybe it causes low testosterone. Maybe it causes like testicular shrinkage, but maybe it increases libido. Like there, I don't know if you saw it. There was this like crazy study that tracked all the states that approved marijuana and they, um, looked at birth rates and STD rates nine to 12 months after that state legalized. And you see the skyrocket. Really? In birth rates and gonorrhea chlamydia. <laughs> it's like, is that causative? Probably not. Right. But it's a correlative. Well, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> so maybe it improves libido. Maybe it improves erections. I don't know. And also out. probably weight loss. Weight loss. They, totally. They really have to get into shape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this other stuff like, um, I don't know if it's vibration therapy, but it's M waves. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like more of um, the biohacking space. Is any of yeah. that... Like shockwave therapy? Yes. Yeah. Is that, is that utilized? It It's still very much in like an experimental clinical sense. I think that the data coming out of that, especially at like University of Miami, is so compelling. But I think it has to be like a very well-selected patient population. So it's like the guy who has mild ED, mild moderate, and is responding to Viagra Cialis, like gets really good erections of Viagra Cialis. Shockwave therapy might be that niche like regenerative medicine option that actually regenerates some penile tissue and then they wouldn't have to take and they wouldn't need cialis anymore god and what is mild to moderate erectile dysfunction yeah there are all these like crazy different like patient surveys and things like that that you can go online and it's called the shim um and do it really quickly and it's questions of like well how often can you get an erection and like how often is that satisfactory for you how often is it firm enough for you and your partner it's interesting there's a lot of it's not all objective right it's a lot of oh it's so much subjective subjective yeah i i get so sad because patients often come in and say like i want objective data like how bad are my erections and i'm like you know the only way for me to get objective data for you is to inject your penis with medication to give you an erection in the office and what and what do you inject them with and how do they i mean are they just like oh my god i cannot believe i am do they just pass it to does it has anyone ever passed out no one has passed out on me thank god oh my god i think my nurse would kill me if that happened (laughs) i mean they would hate it what are you injecting in there so usually i'm doing trimix so it's basically like the way i try to catch it to patients is like 
If Viagra and Cialis are pills that your whole body feels, these injections are like tiny little amounts of medication that go straight into the sore, straight into the penis. Um, and they're still medications that just increase blood flow to the penis. And what what kind of, what, how does that work exactly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so a vasodilator? Like, it's a vasodilator, yeah. And the trimix is three vasodilators put together. Um, and usually within like 15 to 20 minutes, the patient's going to have an erection if it's going to work. And just one, oh, interesting. Yeah. So will that indicate what the issue is if it's a vascular issue or it helps is it we use it we use it for ultrasound so then i take like a tiny little ultrasound probe and i'm just looking at like the penis anatomy like for guys who have peyronie's disease like abnormal curvatures to their penis you gotta get a penile ultrasound because i have to be able to see how much curvature they have um and like what that scar tissue looks like because that all directs like what we can do for them whether it's medical therapy or injection other injections how or like surgery peyronie's disease hmm I actually don't even have a good stat for you to pull out because I think it's so underreported. Yeah. Like I have all the time I see patients that come in not for penis issues, but we'll do an exam because I'm a urologist. Right. And I'm like, did you notice that there's like some scar tissue here? Like when you have an erection, does it bend? And the guy will be like, yeah. How does someone get that? Are they born with that or is that an injury? Usually it's like an injury, but it's so crazy. Like there, are, when you look back at the guys who have peyronie's like clear peyronie's and disease. peyronie's is scar tissue and curvature of the penis yeah exactly and sometimes also like some penile pain woven into there as well um only a third of patients will recall like a, a some kind of traumatic event like mid thrust hurt a snap had a penile fracture type of event when you're on call and you get a eggplant emoji yeah what what is that so usually it's the um and how does one break their penis yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's it's, and you're welcome, guys. I'm asking you the questions. That, these are the big questions. That everybody, do people have big questions that they all want answers to? This is usually one of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. They're like, because guys are like, there's no bone in there. And I'm like, yo, correct. There is no bone in there. But like your penis is just blood vessels. Like that's it. And he has two really big blood vessels that have like this tough white tissue outside of it to give it like some strength for thrusting, right? And if you break that thick white tissue it's going to bleed. And then it's not going to have the strength you need for a sex. So classically, the story is, you know, mid thrust hits a thigh or something and you hear a pop and then you have rapid loss of your erection. And then it usually gets really bruised like an eggplant. And what's the recovery like on that? So if we don't go to the operating room to like identify is it, the is break, that an, is that an emergency? It, so it's funny. It used to be an emergency. Um, it used to be kind of thing of like you wake up in the middle of the night, you drive in, you go to the OR. And now we've found that if you kind of wait a day or two, some of that swelling goes down and it makes it a lot easier for us to go in, find the um, the tear and like repair it. Okay, so it's a tear in the blood vessel? Yeah, it's literally a tear in like, we call it the erectile bodies. You have like two erectile bodies. Or they're just basically big blood That's vessels. Like corpus callosum? Corpus cavernosum, okay. yeah. Okay. The corpus callosum, callosum is in the brain. In the brain. <laughs> it's been this, a long time. This I mean, is the other time. brain. Wait, wait, it's kind of the same. It's kind of the it's same. The, it's both brains. Exactly. It's both brains. Arguably the more important one. Yep, definitely, definitely. <laughs> Yeah, but you see a lot of penises. My husband will tell you, like, he was he was reflecting on it one day. I don't know why it took him this long to figure it out, but he was like, I mean, you see, like, 20 to 30 people in a day. I'm like, yeah. He's like, so you do 20 to 30 penis exams in a day. I'm like, well, not really. But, like, maybe let's say even, like, half of that's true. He's like, you've still seen, like, you're in, like, the 99.9th percentile of penis watching. I'm like, I don't know if I call it watching. Jesus Christ. I, like. It's true. You're a official penis watcher. We should change the urology name to Dr. Penis Watcher. We should probably print better business cards. Yes. <laughs> and they could probably be, like, no soft days. No soft days. Not not in this clinic. Not, right. No no soft days. Somebody um, – so the, the major questions that men have are, can I – break my penis yeah what are the other are there a handful of other questions every man yeah. wants to ask but doesn't feel comfortable asking oh that's such a good question i think a big question is always like how long am i supposed to be able to last for because like guys grow up seeing porn right and you can watch like 45 minutes of sex and you're just like how in the world is someone having sex for that long and then i get these guys and it runs the age range of like 15 year olds to like 50 year olds who are like 
And it's always the door, the hand on the doorknob question, right? It's always like, great to meet you. I'm about to go. And then like, by the way, I just have one more question. I'm like, okay, what is it? It's like the most important question. Most important. The reason I made this appointment. Exactly. And it's like, well, when I'm with my partner, I can only have sex for like seven minutes. Is that normal? I'm like, well, is are you having fun in those seven minutes? Like, is your partner satisfied with those seven minutes? And they're like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. I'm like, then yeah, that should be considered normal for you. Like premature ejaculation. Like, I think that's what couples are, and like okay. guys are trying to ask about. By like definition, it's sex that terminates within one minute. But there's nothing to say that if you have sex for 90 seconds and you're both incredibly satisfied, that that's a problem, mm. right? Like, I think it always comes down to like, are you satisfied? And is there good communication between you and your sexual partner so that both of you are happy? And, it, that, and that's what you tell the patient. That's so the it's patient. basically, okay, you should last a minute, right? Anything yeah. under a minute is considered premature ejaculation. Like with bother. And it's okay, like right, that right, phrase right. that always has, like that always gets patients. Right. Like, well, what is, well, what is bothersome? I'm like, I don't know. It's not my penis. You right. tell me what's bothersome. <laughs> This is a very hard interview to do with a straight face. I am I am really working on my professionalism. She's working really I, hard, I'm I trying. can tell. I'm trying. I really am. Um, what does someone do about that? Yeah, so there are... And wait, before you answer, how often do people come in for treatment? Oh, all the time. So if on a, on a day of your clinic, not surgical... Yeah. You know, what what are you seeing? I'd say like... Okay, so like Wednesdays are usually like my long days. Let's say I have 30 patients coming into my clinic. I'd say 10 of them are coming in with just straight up erectile dysfunction. Um, Maybe like four or five are coming in for fertility issues. And I would love that number to be higher because I really love my fertility patients. Um, Probably because they're so grateful after they get pregnant, right? Or Usually, but it's also just like fun to treat a couple. And like usually with the ED stuff, like it's usually couples too, but not as commonly. Like I just really love like helping someone to get pregnant because like we were so excited to get pregnant with our son, you know. Um, so to be able to like impart that on somebody else, like that's that's like my driver for life. Um, but then what else? I'd say like probably two to four are premature ejaculation. Um and then the rest is sort of this hodgepodge of like, you know, low testosterone, like general urology, because I still see that too, like big prostates and stuff like that. BPH, waking up and peeing in the middle of the night. Yeah. Uh, stones, you treat kidney stones? Kidney stones, yeah. Kidney stones. I don't love kidney stones. I have partners that are like so much better at kidney stones than me, so I try to let them do it. But they stick through sometimes, so I'm like, yeah, I can do that. That's so fine. what does someone do if they're like, okay, my partner and myself, we're not happy I have premature ejaculation. Yeah. What do I do? Yeah. So there are, you can do like topical, like um, numbing medications on the penis. And that helps like decrease some of the sensitization. So why does it even happen? I mean, there's is a multiple, there's multiple reasons why. Oh, totally. Yeah. I think part of, and it's always like, you know, classically you have to think about like, well, has it always been like this or is it only with this partner? Um, Because sometimes I think that guys get into this like mindset and it's like, well, like, and it happens, it happens with erections too, where it's like, well, shit, like the last couple of times, like I didn't have a great erection. What at this next time? I see that. I see that. Right. How would you, do you send them out to console them for therapy? Have them? Sometimes, sometimes. But even like, if it's more for like the erections and like, I'll give them a couple pills of Cialis and just be like, look, try this, see if it improves your erection. There might be nothing wrong with you. Like in regards to like blood vessels and nerves and hormones and things like that, you might just need to get your confidence back. And if Cialis does that for you for a month, that's awesome. And then when you run out of the pills, see if you need it still. And if you do, it's no skin off our backs to refill it. It's not addictive. So people, do you think that there's shame people are embarrassed about? All the time. All the time. And I feel like there's such a stigma. They shouldn't shouldn't be. be. It's ridiculous. You know, I mean, I think that... If sex is important to you, then it should be embraced as like a very healthy part of your life, right? Like I feel like it's it's so frustrating to me when um, couples or men come through and they're like ashamed or embarrassed. Like you wouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed to have diabetes. 
Right. Right. You shouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed that you broke your leg doing something really awesome. Or what about or what about menopause? Yeah, right. For women. For women, exactly. Go through Ugh. dry spells, can't have orgasms, all kinds of right. things. Or women like after they've had a baby, you know, and like you basically go through menopause and you're breastfeeding for temporarily. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there's just so much stigma and so much shame and it's really unfortunate. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And I think that you're doing a great job at being so upbeat. I mean, listen, they walk in, they walk in and they're better. They see uh, Dr. Velez and they're just like, oh, I'm better. Um, In honor of men's health, I'd love to thank one of the sponsors of the show. That is First Form. You can go to firstform.com slash Dr. Lyon. And I'm going to tell you about a supplement that you likely have not heard of. And this is called Night Tea. That's N-I-G-H-T-T. And you can imagine that I am not talking about the iced tea that you drink. I am talking about testosterone production. This product has ingredients that have been shown to increase growth hormone and help you get into a deeper sleep, stay asleep longer, speed up recovery time. You can go to firstform.com slash Dr. Lyon. Give this formula a try. And what also would be really cool is if you tracked your sleep so that you can see in real time over a week, over two weeks, has it helped your deep sleep? Are you waking up more rested? Is your heart rate variability improved? Has it improved? So go to firstform.com slash Dr. Lyon and try out night tea. Keeping in the theme of this episode, I'd like to thank one of the sponsors of the show, and that's Inside Tracker. You can go to insidetracker.com slash Dr. Lyon for 20% off. With Dr. Danny, I'm sure your interest has been piqued what your hormones are. Do you have inflammatory markers that are elevated? What's your testosterone like? If you are a woman, have you thought about your testosterone, your hormones? If you haven't, you definitely should. This is why I recommend Inside Tracker. Go to insidetracker.com slash Dr. Lyon. This is a direct-to-consumer panel. That means you don't actually have to go see a physician. You can assess your own data, which is amazing. This has been created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, biometrics, and you can check your own hormones. So 20% off, go to insidetracker.com slash Dr. Lyon and take a look. Take a look at what Dr. Danny is talking about and see for yourself. What does someone do to treat premature ejaculation? Yeah. So, um, so I always the go Alice, there's the the confidence part and totally. then I always and then if there's like any like suspicion that maybe there's some erectile function issue, like we treat that first. So at least like maybe that treats the ejaculatory issues or maybe just like we take that off the table as a contributing factor. Um, I love getting hormones on those patients to make sure there isn't anything there that could also be tweaked because that might help. And then I offer like the topical anesthetics, we do, we talk a lot about the start-stop method. So What's another, that? like starting to have sex and starting to have activity. And then when you feel like, oh, like I might orgasm, you stop and you take a breath or you do something else to your partner that doesn't involve your penis. And that might help to extend, you know, time with sexual activity. Your partner should still hopefully be satisfied. And over time, like over like weeks to months of doing that, you might be able to extend the amount of time that you can hold on to that erection. And so people really have to focus and work at it if they if that's something that they want to do. Exactly. Oh that's my something god, that they want to do. You took the words out of my mouth. Like it's I don't want to call it homework because like sex shouldn't be homework, right? But it's something you have to work on sometimes. What about SSRIs for treatment? Love SSRIs. Tell me. So you can either do, it's this like great side effect of SSRIs for like anxiety and depression, like fluoxetine, paroxetine, Prozac, things like that, that we know that it can extend um, ejaculations, extend like ejaculatory time, basically. And do you dose it? How would you dose something like that? Yeah. So there is some data to dosing it like on demand. So like if you think you're going to have sex on a Saturday, doing it like Friday oh, and Saturday. So what is the, do, you, do they know the mechanism of action as to why that would be? I don't, they're probably in like, I just don't remember it from med school, honestly. I don't know. But I, I don't know. But I honestly don't think that like the on demand dosing is as successful as probably someone that not. just takes like a low dose every day. So and that's usually low dose for like, if they were going to take Effexor, would that is is Effexor one or? I think so. Oh my god, I'm so bad at, at brand names. Okay, tell yeah. me tell me the generic. Yeah, yeah. I love um, fluoxetine. I like sertraline a lot. 
paroxetine sometimes. Um, it's so interesting because I have a couple of patients, especially in the last month or two, where I've started them on one and they're like, I just, it just didn't work for me. And then I'll switch them to another, which is in the same class. And they're like, yeah, it's totally fine. So and it's usually like, I think it's like 10 to 20 of paroxetine so or something low, like that. Low, low dose. Yeah. Does it, do, would that touch their anxiety or the dose is too low to even be effective? I think dose is too low. Yeah, dose is too low. So let's say anything else for the treatment of premature ejaculation. Sexual therapy. What does a sexual Sex therapist therapy. do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what is so, that even? What do you? I know it's it's crazy. Like they and like I honestly don't completely know because I've never done it myself. I've just like talked to a bunch of them, and a lot of it is just like talk therapy. What about this pelvic floor PT? Does that play a role? I love pelvic floor PT, but I honestly haven't seen it do a lot for ejaculatory patients. Yeah, if they're having ejaculatory pain, then I think it absolutely has a role in it. Like once I've ruled out any other anatomic issues, why would someone have ejaculatory pain? Uh, just maybe infections okay. sometimes sometimes there's like a structure like scar tissue yeah, in that tract sense. yeah so you're like slamming flu fluid through like a tiny hole like right. that's painful yeah. um but if that's not the case and like all those pelvic floor muscles if they're really tight they can inflame the nerves that control like the penis the testicles urination um and ejaculation mm -hmm. and that can really cause pain um so i love pelvic floor physical therapy for that i think it has a, a massive role there and then sex therapy. Yeah, it's just like, therapy. oh, hey, let's all party. And there's that. Totally, totally. I think it's a lot of like talking and especially for like couples kind of like trying to set like, well, what are your goals? And I think it's a lot of times like couples might not be able to have that communication. Like, my God, if someone can't talk to me about it and I'm a doctor and this is like what I do for a living. People, they must be really, I think also when patients come in, you're used to seeing 30 penis patients a day or 30 sexual health issues a day. Yeah. And they're coming in and this has been a huge, Absolutely. a huge stressor for them Absolutely. that they probably come in and they are just thinking, oh my God, I, I literally cannot believe I am sitting here talking about this. Yep. 30 times a day. That right? is like and usually then, the reaction. And then they become... Yeah more confident and you give Hopefully. them hope and yeah i mean that's always the goal right. right and i think that like that was sort of what drew me to the field because i i would routinely and see both your parents are doctors yeah are they yeah. urologists no they were horrified when i said i wanted to do surgery they were just like oh my god like where did we go wrong how are we gonna fix this you didn't just decide to do surgery no you decided to do uh penis surgery yeah yeah and testicle and, surgery and you know <laughs> kidneys and kind of like that whole package yeah literally um, package and does your all just work on women too yeah oh yeah 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 so there's this like huge area of like female sexual medicine that's like nobody seems to want to take ownership of it like urologists ob gynes general me medical practitioners like nobody seems to want to like dig in um so you fix yeah. the man like the fix the guy right. or you know or listen we're not just saying that if you're a guy you're only gonna have sex with women that is not what that's i'm not saying what we're saying okay, at all i'm not saying that totally but you know, let's just say that if you are having sex, you fix the husband, right? And the partner is female. Right. You what? What happens? What I are mean, you gonna do? Because now she's beating him off with a stick, right? And you're just and she's just like a lot of couples, especially my older couples who might have gone through menopause already. You know, those tissues change, and when you haven't, I tell patients all the time: if you don't use it, yeah, you can you, you can lose it a little bit. Oh, I wish I knew. If you find somebody good in the area, let me know. I treat it, okay. but I mean, but I mean, like yeah. who in the field? Yeah, treats. I, I think that there are some urologists that definitely specialize in it. Like Dr. Dr. Rachel Rubin is fantastic. If you don't follow her on Twitter yet, you absolutely should. We'll, especially we'll try to get her on. We'll try to get her in. Yeah, studio. I adore her. Um, there are definitely some OB/GYNs that specialize in it, and I. Yeah, you know, that's a whole area that like I really want to get into as well, but I like I have to do more training in. So I'm certainly not offering it to patients yet. Okay. But future, ask me again in five years. <laughs> well, ask you. We're gonna <laughs> ask you again in a year. Okay. Um so you treat the uh ejaculation issue. Yeah. What other what is another question that people come in and really that you just get over and over again that you wish you could tell everybody? Maybe other options for erectile dysfunction, surgical. People have no idea. Oh, yeah, that's true. We talked about implants for like two seconds in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
if guys like kind of wash out of Viagra Cialis, we've tried the injections. And like, I'll say one quick thing on the injections. Like everyone always looks at me with these like deer and headlights of like, you want to put what, where, why? And I'm like, look, like we will order the medication. You'll bring it to the office. I will do the first injection for you. And 95% of the time, the patient's like, okay, that wasn't that bad. What kind of needle is this that we're talking about? Oh, an insulin needle. It's this teeny. a really, yeah. a really small sub Q needle. Tiny, tiny sub No big deal. Okay. No big deal. Like it burns going in a little bit and then usually it gets better within like 30 seconds. And then like when you haven't seen an erection for five years, and you suddenly have one, you're just like, fuck yes. <laughs> like there is hope. It's, it's, it's a big <laughs> deal for guys. I mean, it's a big deal. It yeah. is... I mean, look, I always tell patients all the time, like, I have the best job because I either get to give people, like, help people build their families, like, for my fertility patients, or I get people to help reclaim their relationships. That's like incredible. It's so fun, and it's moving, and I love it so much. So you give them the injections. So the injections, what? how successful are those? So they fail Cialis, Viagra. They move to the injections. How successful is that typically? Yeah, I'd say it's like 50-50. Like successful meaning like, yeah, like they might get an erection, but like it is cumbersome. I'm not going to lie. Like as as useful as they can be, it's cumbersome. Like the medication has to be cold. You have to like run to the fridge when you want to have sex, grab a needle, drop the medication, stick it in your penis. That does not seem like a great quality of life for Again, guys. like not sexy. No. Not sexy at all. Do most guys stick with that or no? I'd say like 50% will. Um, the 50% wash out to like, and then they want to say like, we got to try something else. And okay. I'm like, I have this implant. All right. So, so the mighty uh, implant. Okay, the mighty penis <laughs> implant. So there are two main kinds, right? So there is the malleable one and then there's an inflatable one. And the malleable basically means that like your penis is always hard. But it's bendy. So when you want sex, you bend your penis up. And when you don't want sex, you bend it down. Do they have feeling? Is it the same yeah. feeling as an erection? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yes and no. So like I think that the way I always counsel patients is the implant's job, whichever way you choose, it's just to get your penis hard. So it's not going to change like the skin sensation okay. and it's not going to change your ability to orgasm. It will allow you to have like quote unquote penetrative intercourse. Okay. So we'll be able to allow you to put your penis inside like a vagina, an anus, a mouth, like whatever your sexual preference is, it will facilitate that. Um, whether or not it feels like the erections you had 20 years ago. Mm. Plus minus, you know, I just was I'm on a podcast, so I can't just make hand motions. <laughs> no, no, you can. You're on audio. You're on. Uh, okay, perfect. Hi, you're on uh, beautiful video. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, audio video. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's plus minus on that one. Um, but I can say that patients who progress over to the implant, they're usually really happy. They are happy. What is the yeah. success rate of an implant? Like 90 to 95%. What? Yeah. So they have the malleable. And where does he, obviously just like very lay, where does he, where does it go? Yeah. So we usually will make an incision like right above the penis. And then it just goes into those like the corpus cavernosa, like those erectile bodies. So there's a part of it that goes obviously through the penis that you see. But then there's actually this more proximal part that ducks down underneath like the part that you sit on, like your body that you sit on mm -hmm. in your perineum. Okay. And that kind of like helps to stabilize out the penis. And is it uncomfortable? Is it something, does it take a while to get used to? I think it takes some time to get used to. The malleable one does okay. um, because it's always hard. So like I, I tell patients, especially, you know, when you sit down, like you're probably going to feel it a little bit and you will get used to it. Um, and it doesn't change. Does anyone come in and say, okay, I want a bigger penis? All the time. Oh, my God. All the time. And <laughs> Okay, fine. That's the question I should have answered before. I should have brought it before. It's like, guys will come in and be like, how do I get a bigger penis? I'm like, you don't. <laughs> so there is no, no, there is no way to get a bigger penis. So there totally are, like... Yes, surgically, there are ways that you could get a bigger penis. Like, I don't offer those because there have just been god-awful complications. Like, of penises falling off from, like, trying to do that. So, like... Yeah, that's that would be really upsetting. That's a really people. bad day. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, where are you? Why aren't you at work? Yeah. Like, look, like, I like most of my patients. So, like, I will never you offer never something do that. like that. Yes. Um, I think that there are other harder so methods. there is so if someone wanted to get a bigger penis, yeah. there are procedures that right? exist, but not everybody does those. No, 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 no. Mo I would say most people don't do them because we've just seen such god awful. And what would they be? Would that be 
just out of curiosity, yeah, would yeah, that be you're releasing a muscle? Would that be kind of like so? Kind of going back into those. Um, remember, like that thick white tissue I talked mm-hmm. about that was like around the erectile bodies. You basically go in and you're. It's called the sliding technique, and you're making this like L extended incision and you're literally sliding that tissue past each other Mm -hmm. to try to extend the penis and yeah like the reports where it works you can gain some length a couple of centimeters which for some patients is major but the risks are like losing sensation to the entire penis losing your penis you know like scarring down the penis poor it's wound major healing. it is like, not supposed to be cut it's, it's not in supposed to be cut in that way i think like there are some peyronie's patients that have like really weird curvature where like that's not as bad right mm-hmm. like you can lengthen the short side and get some length that way but you're probably more restoring towards like what they had when they were 15 and less so like let's build you a whole new penis right Right. Then what about a pump? Yeah, I use a lot of external vacuum pumps for patients because I think that they actually do help. Really? Yeah. So especially for like- they order that online? Oh, yeah, all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. hey, Amazon. Rutgers like fucking hates my search histories. Like I get flagged left, right, and center like 30 times a day. They'd be like, you can't go to that website. I'm like, well, this is actual medicine I'm trying to practice. (laughs) But yeah, you go on Amazon. You can go on any sex shop if you want to go in person. So those vacuum things, they they work. They work. So is that what, okay, but- that's not the surgical. That is like the no, in no, no. Office. Okay, yeah, that's like the in office. And that's how like, often? And everyone wants to know how often. First of all, who is a candidate for the penis pump? Yeah, you mean the external or the internal? The external, external. So yeah, this is like where you go to Amazon yeah. and you get your penis pump. How often should you use it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How often should you use a penis pump? Yeah. So I I love it for the guy who like we know is going to have a period of erectile dysfunction. So like the guy who had his prostate removed mm-hmm. or is like undergoing radiation where I'm like, look, like we know you're going to have ED and it's hopefully not going to be permanent. But while you're not having like four to six erections in a day. Like, you know, like is that wait, is that normal erections? Normal. Yeah. Normal yeah. erections. Because like that includes nighttime. Okay. Like when you're sleeping and guys get like they get an erection in the middle of the night and like they probably don't even realize it but that's healthy like that means good blood flow that means that the tissue is constantly getting like stretched and and you guys know that they should have for i guess i should have more conversations i i don't actually ask my patients how i mean i ask them you know the obvious like are you happy is the strength of your erection but i don't actually ask them how many erections they get yeah and i feel like most guys are gonna say like so there it is when i don't have any am i should i be worried and i'm like no, because you're probably yeah. sleeping through some of them. Got it. So they, they're not aware. They're not of, aware necessarily. Gotcha. Yeah. They get their, okay. So the, so the guys that would get an external penis pump would be for someone who is not getting the erections. Is, and is it because you don't want to lose the blood flow, the tissue? Exactly. The- exactly. Like you kind of want to use, and I actually, for those guys, I call it like a, we call it like penile rehabilitation programs. But they're going to go through this period where they're not going to get good erections. They're not going to have that like blood surging into the penis, bringing in oxygen and all those good nutrients. So I give them like the daily Cialis and I tell them twice a week, I want you using the 20, like the higher dose to try to get an erection, try to just like increase that blood flow. And I want you buying that penis pump and using it. If you can do it every other day, that's awesome. But it can cause some bruising in the beginning. So usually they start off with like one day a week, two days a week. Five minutes a day. Five That's minutes it. a day. Yeah. And it's literally just like hit the button, give yourself an erection, hold it there for 30 seconds, release it, do it again for 30 seconds, release it. And that's it. Five minutes a day. Do it while the shower is heating up. Easy. Easy. And then the internal. The internal one. So when I think about like guys who get the malleable internal versus guys who get the inflatable penis pumps, it's usually the guy that doesn't have great hand dexterity. Mm-hmm. Um that gets the malleable one because it's easy. You just like bend it up and bend it down. But the pumps, I think, are so much more natural mm. because then you, when you want an erection, you basically go to the pump that sits inside the scrotum. And I always have to emphasize for patients that everything is inside. Like no one's going to see you walking down the street and be like, well, that guy has a penis pump. Like nothing is What external. about the pump part? Oh, even the pump part. Even the pump part. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, totally internal. And like, again, ask me again in five years, but- the companies that are building this are working on a Bluetooth option where you don't have to mechanically pump something. So another thing I don't even know what to think about too. that. I there's mean, so many giggles in the glitch, gallery. Like I, I, I mean, love it. What if your toddler gets your phone? Disasters. I mean, like high school all over again. Oh, God. But yeah. 
Okay. But I had no idea that they are completely internal. That's that's amazing. It's awesome. Because that really can change people's lives. It can totally change people's lives. Actually, like on another side note, um, our transgender patients who like are going from female to male and building a scrotum, we actually put in one testicular prosthesis on one side and we use the penile um, pump prosthesis on the other side. Mm -hmm. And that's the other testicle. And just because it's just anatomically makes sense anatomically or makes sense. it's less foreign body or exactly whatever. yeah fewer implants one less foreign body one less surgery um and i think anatomically just kind of makes sense but it literally it i hope this isn't triggering for anybody but like it, it looks like a hand grenade um and the part that would blow up is the part that you would squeeze wow. to give yourself an erection and how successful are those super successful wow i mean it's it's surgery right it's so, like someone's going to spend the night overnight um they have like a little bit of risk of bleeding i'd say the likelihood of a blood transfusion is less than two percent of patients um bigger risk of infection right because it's an implant to foreign body it's not where do they actually put that they put it i mean because what about the testicles they put it in front of it right in front like in between yeah there's actually like a lot of space in the scrotum Just in case, I mean, just in case anyone needed to know, but I could imagine that 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 would be you essentially are. Um, Okay, so it's it wouldn't be would someone notice it would would a significant other or if someone was just starting to date someone would they would they know it's there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like you won't see it, but like you know, if you were having sexual activity, like you would feel it. And it wouldn't be any different in terms of ejaculation or anything like that. No, it doesn't change ejaculation. I've actually had a couple of people in residency who had these, they were young, like had terrible traumas where they just mm-hmm. couldn't get an erection yes. anymore. And, but they still wanted to have sex and have babies. So we put in an implant and they're able to ejaculate. And they still are able to have like natural intercourse, natural conception. That's it. Amazing, amazing. So what is your typical, any other surgeries that are just, people wanna know about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do a lot of, like for my fertility patients, I do a lot of sperm extractions. Um, So, and I do a lot of vasectomies. I do vasectomy reversals. Um, You know, whenever I counsel patients on vasectomy, I tell them like, you should consider this to be permanent. Um, But- And how does someone, so someone who would qualify for a vasectomy, anyone who just doesn't want to have any more kids. Just doesn't want to have any kids. Do you have a certain age where you're like, okay, you're 25 and you're really not, your prefrontal cortex has not fully formed and you're really making some- Some like major life Major life decisions, decisions you know, yeah. when you're, yeah, perhaps you might regret that. I haven't- I'm trying to think. I actually don't think I've done any vasectomies on anyone less than like 28 to 30. But I don't have qualms about doing it on someone who's older, like in their anecdotally 30s, if they don't have kids. I might have them like explain to me a little bit more of like why they want the vasectomy. Um, I might make them come back a second time to be like, let's just talk about this one more time. And I might delay the vasectomy itself a couple of weeks to give them that time. But I don't know. I kind of feel like if someone is really thinks that they're sure and they're an adult and they can cohesively and logistically explain to me why, it's not my body. You know, and if I've explained to them, like the, these are the facts, like the fact is that a vasectomy is incredibly um like effective form of birth control they can technically be reversed but that reversal is not covered by insurance it's going to be cost you thousands of dollars it's done in the operating room with a microscope and takes me four to six hours and it's wow. not 100 percent effective wow yeah like if you're okay with all those things then yeah let's do it and how how long does a vasectomy take 20 minutes and is that an in-office procedure in office yeah. in-office procedure and what do they cut so I make a tiny little incision. It's like literally the width of my pinky nail, um, right down in the middle of the scrotum. And then you go and you basically like feel the vas and you bring it up to that incision. And then I basically like isolate the vas out, cut it, 
I burn the two ends and then I put a little bit of like internal scrotal tissue in between to make sure that they can't like come back together. But even with all of those things, there's about a one in 2000 chance that it fails and that somebody still gets pregnant. And that baby was meant to be there. Meant to be that, played a lot like, in their birthday. That, that is <laughs> yes. meant to be there. Exactly. That, that baby day. was going to cure cancer yeah. one day. <laughs> this is like for sure, for sure. Um, and the recovery time for a vasectomy? Uh, I'd say about a week or so. Yeah, I'm always like so surprised. I have some patients where like they'll say like, yeah, I was down for the weekend. Like I just kind of hung around the house and then I was fine on Monday. And then I have other patients who are like, it took me a month. My God. And I'm like, oh, how long did it take your wife to get over her vaginal delivery? So And okay. how long does it take? For, so when can someone have sex again? Two weeks. Yeah. So my general counseling is no heavy lifting for two weeks, like nothing more than 10 to 15 pounds. No ejaculating for two weeks. And then after that, frequent ejaculation because you want to clear out all the residual sperm. Mm -hmm. And you're actually not considered sterile right after a vasectomy. You have to wait about three months. Um, and then we'll usually check the semen analysis to make sure there's no more sperm. And when a – so the other option would be – so if someone has a vasectomy – and they want to have children, can you go in and get the sperm out? Totally. Okay. Totally, totally. An individual wouldn't, why would they ever want to, is there a reason why people would want to reverse a vasectomy? I guess some guys, well, so the issue, the biggest distinction I think is that if you take sperm right out of the testicle, it has to be used for IVF. Like there's no way around it because that sperm doesn't learn how to swim. So you can't just like put it into a uterus. You can't take it out and then... Um, like inseminate inseminate them. no 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 like the turkey baster method yeah like the iui you can't do it because it won't swim it'll just sit there like a you know duck in the water right. dead duck in the water that's a no yeah <laughs> not not making it to the egg nope you're not a good swimmer <laughs> but um, if you do a vasectomy reversal then you're reestablishing that tubing and the sperm will swim because it goes all the way through all those tracks but learns how to got it got it yeah and then before, you know, for fertility, before guys go on testosterone, you typically, if they want to have kids, yeah. you typically have them I'll extract, recommend it. extract sperm. What if they don't want to and they want to go on testosterone? And then what happens when they want to have a child? Do they come off testosterone? I try to get them to. So I'll always do a semen analysis because every once in a while I'm surprised. And even though someone's been on T for like a couple of years, sometimes they still do have sperm, in which case, you know, that's totally fine. Like if it's plenty, then maybe they can just try to have to get pregnant naturally. If it's not a ton, then they're willing to do IVF. That's probably enough. Um, but I do have some patients where I'll give them this like regimen of decreasing their testosterone and increasing like Clomid and HCG. And that usually will help to prevent the testosterone crash and jumpstart their testicles. And usually within a couple of months, you'll start to see sperm coming back to the ejaculate. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. yeah I always just want to prevent the crash because like no one wants to feel like shit right. and I don't blame right. them. I don't want to doom someone to like having zero energy and weight gain, all that stuff just because they want to have a baby. Right. Like that sucks. Yes, that sucks. When you start them on Clomid, do you do, how do you dose it in terms of do you start at 25? Do you start at 50? Oh, I do like it depends on how good they are with like logistics. So if they can do one pill every other day, that's totally fine. That's, that's 50 every other day. I would be horrible at that. Like I can barely remember to take my vitamins every day. <laughs> that is now going to change. We have now changed that. Yep. So I do 25 milligrams daily for those guys. But that's like a standard dosing. And then I have them repeat blood work about four weeks later to see like what they did. Mm -hmm. About 25% of the time, you'll get someone who paradoxically drops their testosterone on Clomid. So I'm just trying to make sure that it's not that guy. Because right. um, then those are the ones that have to go on HCG. Do you see any side effects from Clomid? Increased moodiness? Is it, yeah, is it before you put guys on testosterone, do you sometimes trial them on Clomid to see how they do? Sometimes, not often. Usually I'd say like if, like if you really want your testosterone to be like improved and you don't care about fertility, like let's just go for the testosterone. But I usually will will warn both those groups that like, look, you might have some moodiness, some aggression while we're kind of like working out the kinks and you're just getting used to it. Um, you know, I also talk to them a lot about like, there's always a risk of prostate cancer, right? So it's not that I'm going to like give you prostate cancer, but if you already have some abnormal cells in your body, suddenly having like higher testosterone could jumpstart them. So I always check a PSA. Um, I always check a hematocrit hemoglobin because you worry about the blood clots. Um, and if, I t if it gets high, you know, they go donate blood and we pull back the dose a little bit. But 
I make my patients get so much blood work. They must hate me. No, no, I, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't think they hate you. It's the right thing to do. So it's responsible. You can't. You, blood work is so essential. So we always do blood work with the patients. Yeah. They know before we even put them on testosterone. They know that they are getting it in, a, you know, very specific order. Yeah, and they're yeah. gonna. They're they're great with it. Yeah. When what well, I promise it's just going to be one last question. Sure. Because I want to make sure that we honor your time to get you back to your baby. And you are I guess you're going back to the hospital. I know. So we'll, I think we'll, I've got some case like brewing for me in the background. We'll have to do this. HCG. Yeah. Do you, what is an indication for HCG? Do you use it solo? Or do you always use it in combination with Clomid? No, I think it just totally depends. Like if I have a guy who um, wants fertility and goes on the Clomid and we're not seeing great responses to testosterone or we're not seeing their FSH improve. Like FSH is that hormone that's so important for making sperm. So if we're not jacking that up with the Clomid, then I put them on HCG and I probably give them FSH as well. Um, but if it's like more for, you know, we want to preserve fertility, but we just really need more testosterone. I like starting with Clomid because I just think it's easier and it's cheaper. Oh my God, it's yeah. so much cheaper. Good RX. I just found this out yesterday. You can get one month of Clomid at Walmart for like 12 bucks. That's like nothing. That's amazing. amazing. HCG is so fucking expensive. Like if Mark Cuban is listening to this, like fix it. Please fix (laughs) it. We'll send it along to him. You heard her. Fix it. Dr. Danny. (laughs) Dr. Lion. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for coming on. I will include where people can find you. Thank you. Um, And I just appreciate your time and your expertise. You are amazing. This was so fun. Like, honestly, this is the best part about my month so far. So thank you. (laughs) Well, just wait for the questions. Wait for the penis implant questions to flood (laughs) your inbox and you might think otherwise. Come on in, guys. I have no barriers, hopefully. Uh, Happy to talk to anybody. I don't care who you have sex with, men, women, whatever. There are no judgments here. We just want to, you know, if it's important to you, it's important to me. Let's get it done. Nice. My kind of of woman. (laughs) The Dr. Gabrielle Lyon podcast and YouTube are for general information purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, nursing, or other professional health care services, including the giving of medical advice. And no patient-doctor relationship is formed. The use of information on this podcast, YouTube, or materials linked from the podcast or YouTube is at the user's own risk. The content of this podcast is not intended to substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Users should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical condition they may have and should seek the assistance of their healthcare professional for any such conditions. This is purely for entertainment and educational purposes only.